Hello. We are so excited that you've decided to join us today via our podcast. There are other ways you can join. You can watch us live on Facebook and YouTube under Miracle Temple Deliverance Ministries or on our website at www.mtdm.org. You can also join us in the sanctuary at 401 North Wright Street in Burgall, North Carolina. The zip code is 28425. If you'd like to give a donation, you can simply go to our website at mtdm.org and click on that donation button. God bless you. Turn there. John 3.16. We want to hear what God has to say. Dealing with John 3.16 because I feel like God has a lot to say. So the word of God now reads. John 3.16. For God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son. That those that whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but shall have everlasting life. Let me read that again. For God so loved the world that he gave his only, only, only begotten son. That whosoever believe in him shall not perish, but will have everlasting life. You may be seated. What I want to talk about this morning is knowing God. Knowing God. And it's in that very scripture. See, we look at the first part of that scripture, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believe in him shall not perish. Some people put a period there. But it's more to that scripture than just that. It's more to than just missing hell. Saying I'm getting born again and I'm going to miss hell and I don't have to go to hell. It's more to that scripture than that. We have to, the first part of that scripture has to be taken care of before we get to the everlasting life. This is why we have to understand that we could not take care of that first part. It had to be Jesus, the one taking care of that first part, because sin separated us from God. Sin separated us from having this eternal life, this everlasting life. So God said in order for us to have it, that sin barrier had to be taken care of. When you look in Isaiah 59, verse 1 and 2, the word of God says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened. At all that he cannot save, nor his ear dull with deafness that he cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God. And your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear you. So there was a separation between us and God. And that separation was because of sin. Now I'm going to take you back again to in the beginning. We see in the beginning what God did. He created a heaven, a new heaven, a new earth. God made things the way he wanted it to be. And after God created things the way he wanted it to be, he saw that it was good. And then he saw that it was very good. Everything he created was good. There was no evil. There was no sickness. There was no sin. It was just pure goodness. 
So after he created everything, we know that the last thing that he done was to create man. And we know the word of God said he created man in his image and his likeness. Meaning that man was created as a spiritual being. And man had the nature, the attributes of God. And after he created man this way, he told man, now I want you to rule over everything that I have created. So let's pause and think about that. He created everything. And after he created it, everything the way he wanted it to be, then he created man. Then he told man, I want you to rule over everything I have created. I want you to rule over the fish in the sea, you know, all my creations, over all the earth. I want you to subdue it. I want you to bring it in subjection to you. I'm giving you that right. I'm giving you that authority. Then he blessed them. We know he told them to be fruitful, to multiply. Then he gave them food to eat. Everything that man needed, man had. Man had life. And that life came from God because God is the source of life. When God released himself, when God began to speak, let there be light, God released the life of God. And he said, let the light come from the life of God. God is the source of life. So everything was created the way he wanted it to be. It represented him. It represented his goodness. So after all of this was done, we move a little bit further and God knew that he needed a body for man, for that spirit that could inhabit that body. So what did he do? He breathed the breath of life. This was God, life going into man, going into a shell. That's what brought that body to life. Without the breath of life, that body will still be dead. So when he did this, he took the man, he placed the man in the garden of Eden. He gave, told the man, every tree you are freely, you can eat freely from. But this tree of knowledge and good and evil, don't eat from that tree. If you eat from that tree, he say you will surely die. What was he saying? The life of God is going to depart from you. You're not going to have my life in you no more. There's going to be a separation between us if you eat from that tree. So we knew what the enemy had to do, right? Y'all know Eve was in the picture, how God created Eve from Adam's side, from his rib. But then when we get to Genesis 3, we see how the enemy wanted to rule and reign. He knew he could not get this authority from God. This is why he got kicked out of heaven because he wanted to be exalted. He wanted to rule and reign. So he got kicked out of heaven. So when he got kicked out of heaven down to earth, he knew in order for me to rule and reign, in order for me to be a God here on earth, I am going to have to take this authority from man that was given to them by God. So the way that I'm going to have to do it, I'm going to use what God created to do it. Y'all got to understand, Satan only used God's creation to do what he wants to be done on this earth. You are God's creation. In order for uh, Satan to hurt somebody, he need a body. He needs somebody to talk about him. He needs somebody to put him down. He needs somebody to do all sorts of things so he can rule and reign in the way he want to rule and reign. But how does he do it? Through deception. So Satan, he began to tell them opposite of what God was saying. Did God really say you shall not eat from that tree? We know what happened. After they disobeyed God, sin entered the world. But God already had a plan of redemption. 
But when the fullness of time came, we knew that this was all coming together. So I want to encourage you today to let you know God has a plan for your life. Things may not be going the way you think they should go. This is why I'm, we have to know God. See, it's more than just missing hell. It's more than coming to the altar and repenting of sins because somebody done scared you to death. Telling you, you know, COVID is here or this or that is here. If you don't do this, you're going to go to hell. And if you go to hell, you're going to burn forever. Even the maggots and worms don't die. That's part of it, y'all. But God wants us to tell people about this everlasting life. The life that God intended for us to have. So God needed Jesus to come in to get back for us what we have lost. And we know how he did it. He did it through a virgin, which was Mary, right? So what God did, he took his very life that was him himself. He took that life through the power of the Holy Ghost overshadowing Mary and putting it on the inside of Mary outside of man. Y'all, isn't that God? He said, I don't want this seed to be contaminated. This is coming from me. This is going to be pure. This is going to be holy. So we know that God took his very life and he gave that life to Jesus. And he wanted Jesus to take that very life. And he wanted Jesus to give it. Y'all got to understand what I'm saying. God is the source of life. The only way that we can live is to have this life that comes from God, our father, which we had in the beginning until Adam lost it. And sin came upon the world through what? One man. Because of one man's sin, sin became upon the world and death came through what? Through sin. The Bible says the wages of sin, the price that have to be paid for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. And the only way you're going to get that gift is through who? Jesus Christ. So guess what? Jesus was that plan of redemption. God had already set that out even before it had already happened. That's just how good God is. So when Jesus came upon the scene, go with me to St. John, the fifth chapter. Verse 26, for as the father have life in himself, so have he given to the son to have life in himself. So the life that God has given Jesus, God want Jesus to give us that life. The only way we can get that life is through Jesus Christ. There's no other way that we can get it. And the life that he want to give us, we know it's the Zoe life. It's the God's kind of life. It's God's doing, God's being, God's way of living. That Zoe life. Because Jesus let us know in John the 10th chapter. He said the enemy comes. This is why he come. To kill, to steal, and destroy. But I have come. That you might have life. And have it more abundantly. He said the only way you can get to the father is through me. I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life according to John chapter 14. So we have to understand there's no way we can get to the father. Not through Buddha. Not through Muhammad. Not through your works. The only way we can get to the father is through Jesus Christ. Because the way is through him. The truth is through him. And life is through him. Don't let people tell you you got to do something to get to to 
the father, the only thing you do is accept what Jesus already done. Jesus paid the price for redemption. That price has already been paid. Quit trying to work to get something. Know what you already have. Our problem and our frustration, our anxiety comes from trying to do something to get something. When you truly know what you have, you rest in what you have. This is what happened to the Israelites. They didn't have rest. They were trying to do something their way instead of resting, having faith in what was already done. So we have to understand that the first part of that verse, for God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his son. Why did he give his son? He said, I got to do away with this sin barrier. Because that sin barrier is separating us from one another. I don't want to be separated from you. Sin is separate. That's why God could not look upon sin. So the next part of that verse I'm going to get to. So we know that Jesus had to what? He had to pay that price. We know that Jesus, he paid that price. Amen. But the next part of that verse says, I want to talk about this more, is that everlasting life. So we can have everlasting life. He had to do away with something in order for us to get what God wanted us to already have. Sin was stopping us. It was separating us from our father. Go to John 17.3. And we're going to talk about this eternal life. St. John 17, 3 is talking about eternal life. And this is what eternal life is. This is the definition. Amplified Bible. And this is eternal life. It means to know, to perceive, to recognize, become acquainted with, and understand you. The only true and real God. And likewise, to know him, Jesus, as the Christ, the anointed one, the Messiah, whom you have sent. Eternal life is to know God. Eternal life is to know God. Because knowing God means that you have an intimacy. You have a personal relationship with him. And the first step of knowing God is to be born again. Being born again puts you in the family of God. That means that you are connected to that family. You have a relationship. You're in that family through being born again. Not a natural birth, but a spiritual birth. This is why he told Nicodemus in order for him to see or enter the kingdom of God in St. John 3, he must be born again. That means being born from above. Now that we have accepted Jesus, we have accepted him as being the way, the truth, and the life to get to the Father so we don't have to no longer be separated from him through Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Now God say, you got to get to know me. See, our problem is, some of the church problem is, we just accept Jesus, but we don't get to know him nor the Father. And that's in any given relationship. When you start a relationship, let's say family, you know, it's, it's my dad, my mom, my sisters, my brothers, my siblings. We can be in the same house. We can have a relationship because we are family. That's what relationship is. It's being connected in a family. So I know that's my brother. I know that's my sister. But this is the thing. If I do not, see, I'm going to go into fellowship next. 
See, relationship connects you with that family. It makes you a part of that family. You will never lose that. I don't care if people go to Africa. They will never lose that because they know who their family is, right? But the problem is if we don't come into fellowship, See, I can be in the house with my sisters, my brothers, but if I never fellowship, if we never participate, if we never commune together, if we never have that closeness, that intimacy together through that relationship, then guess what? They're just there. Have you noticed when somebody move away in the family, you don't think about them as much as you think about the one that you are in connection with, the one that you are fellowshipping with, the one that you are around all the time. So relationship and fellowship is different. We lost that relationship with God. Being that we lost that relationship through sin, we could not have that fellowship, that communion, that sharing with God, that intimacy with God. And the enemy knows this. Even though people are born again and they're in the family of God, until they have an experience with God through fellowshipping with God, then it's like you have nothing. And he know that when you don't know these things, when you're thinking, you know, I'm saved, I'm missing hell, but you're still out there doing some stuff that ain't right, that don't line up with the scripture. When you're out there uh, twisting scripture and making people think it's okay to say, Lord, Lord, and live a foul life, the devil is a liar and the truth ain't in him. There is a difference. We got people knowing about God, but don't know God. Because when you come into an intimate relationship with God, you ain't doing, you ain't saying the same thing because you've been in the presence of the Lord and you know your daddy, your father, God, Abba, father, don't live that way. He don't talk that way. He don't act that way. He don't go in the same places. He, come on, somebody. There is a difference. But people say, I know God. No, you know about God. Because if you know the God I serve, you wouldn't be talking about me living too holy. There's a problem. We got too many people twisting the scriptures to keep doing what they do outside of the will of God. To know God is to live the way God lives. And it ain't hard to do. Because when you truly get to know God, it ain't about you no more. Because you've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who live in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live according to the faith of the Son of God who loved me and who have died for me. And because I spend time with him, because I have the intimacy with him, I'd rather have him than to have you because I know who he is. So no matter what you do, it don't move me. It don't shake me. I'm unmovable. I'm unshakable. I'm abounding in the works of the Lord because I've been with him. When you've been with the person. Come on, let's talk about it naturally, y'all. We're going to talk about marriage. The whole thing that God wants is union. He wants oneness. This started in the beginning as oneness, as unity. Flesh of my flesh, bone of my bone. Adam knew that Eve was a part of him. So in marriage, when you have that intimacy, knowing it's it's an intimacy. When you know someone, you become so intimate with them. Y'all know what I'm talking about, married folk. 
And when you become intimate with them, it's one right there. That's why you don't have this intercourse and all of this before marriage. Because whomever you lay with the first time, that's whom you marry. That's whom you have become intimate with. And whatever they go through, that's what you go through. If they're acting a fool, you're going to be acting a fool. Why? Because everything that they were drawn to, you're going to be drawn to. Now you got some soul ties and you're wondering why you acting crazy and you wasn't crazy before. Who are you laying with? Ask your neighbor, who are you with? So in marriage, when you get married and you're one, when a man say, or a woman say, I love my husband. Love keeps you home at night. Love don't put you in somebody else's bed. Love don't sneak around and go home and act like you ain't done. Come on, somebody. Love helps you to flee from that woman that's looking at you funny. Love helps you to flee from that man that looked like the man you've been dreaming about. Come on, you running. You fleeing. Why? Because you have an intimacy with your husband and your wife. And you know who you married to. So if we're married to Jesus. That means nothing should come in between us. We shouldn't have spiritual adultery. You will have less spiritual adultery the more you get to know him. The more you are intimate with him. The more intimate you are with him, you don't put up with any and everything. You're not around any and everything because you've been so intimate with him. You know, oh, he don't like that. Oh, y'all, let me tell y'all something. When I was working at the hospital, I told my husband about this. And I was the director I don't think I never told Jennifer about this, but I had a computer guy that would come in my office and he would work on the computers. So one day he was working on the computers and he was helping me with computers and I was, had my hand on the desk and he grabbed my hand. He said, can I tell you something? I said, oh no, you didn't. I've been looking at you for a long time. I looked at him and say, my husband would not like that. End of conversation. Had no more problem. Because I let him know my husband would not like that. So that means I don't like that. Who who you think you are? Then went down to the ED, the emergency room. They got a doctor trying to hit up on me. No, 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 no. I don't care how much money you make. I'm married. Come on, when you know the truth. But I want to correct something. I wasn't even in a place I needed to be with God. But I knew the difference. Oh, I'm talking about relationship. And I'm talking about fellowship. Because the more time I spent with my husband, the more I wasn't interested in no other man that was out there. Come on, somebody. The more time you spend with the person, the more time you get to know a person and how they are, you refuse to hurt that person because love don't hurt nobody. And you can't say, I love you and you hurt me. You better get another definition of what it means to love me. Love me means to cherish me. I'm talking about knowing God, but I'm bringing some natural into supernatural. Because we got Christian folks that they say they know God, but you're dipping and a tripping. 
I'm going to bring you back home. I'm going to tell you the truth. I ain't one to like you and lie over the pulpit. Because my father is no liar. God is a true God. He's about truth. So when you're in relationship with somebody, you don't say, I love you. Forgive me. I hurt you. Love don't throw you away and pick you back up when they choose to. See, somebody need to teach this to help the ones that's mixed up. Because you got some mixed up marriages. You got marriages so mixed up. Women, y'all better hear me. Do not marry a man that can't take care of himself. If that man cannot take care of himself, leave him with his mama. Move on. People get mad when I say that. Leave him. Flee. Run for your life. But the problem is so many women are so insecure, so rejected. They pick up anything that whisper in your ear. Baby. I mean, you looking good. I've been watching you. He's been watching your money and your ride. So many women are so insecure when a man is always taken up for them or looking out for them. They think that's the man. You can be fooled by that. That's why you got to know God. Y'all, come on now. You got to know God, not know about him, but you got to be so intimate with him. You don't accept in and everybody based on how you feel. You don't do that. Your feelings are subject to change. Let them leave something where they shouldn't leave it. I just can't stand you. Let the wife not cook. I should have left you with your daddy. Come on. Knowing God. When you know God, that's when you have eternal life. Eternal life is knowing God because God is life. He is the source of life. He is the giver of life. He has given us everything we need through him, through Jesus. Nothing missing, nothing broken, y'all. If we're looking for a man or a woman more than we seeking God, we don't know him. We don't. Because God will keep you satisfied. The problem is, it's who you with. It's who you're hanging with. It's what you're seeing. If you got your mind more on what you think you need than on what God is saying, knowing God is knowing what the word is saying. It's being in the word. When you feel lonely, you go in the word and you say, I am lonely, God. You don't call a man or a woman and say, baby, I'm lonely. Can you come to me? That feeling going to leave you after a while. But when you know Jesus and you can call on him and say, you said you'll never leave me, nor shall you forsake me. You said you will be with me even until the end. So I'm calling on you tonight because I am something lonely. So hold me, rock me. Come on. That's knowing God. That's knowing that when you call on him, he's going to answer you. He's going to show you great and mighty things that you don't know. Come on, let's know 
knowing God, when you know him, you hear him. Because he said, my sheep know my voice. And a stranger's voice, they shall not. When you know God, let me tell you something. Intimacy with God. We're talking about we're in relationship with him. But even though we're in relationship, we got to go into fellowship to partake of everything that God has for us. Some of us in relationship, but there's no fellowship. We're not participating. We're not communing. We're not sharing. God want to share with you. Look in the Garden of Eden. God was, they had the relationship, but God was fellowshipping with them. God was talking to Adam. God was talking to Eve. They were in fellowship. They were sharing and communing everything that God had prepared for them. But one day, the enemy made Eve think it's more than what she got. It's more out there. God don't want you to be like him. Girl, you already like him. The enemy wants you to think that you're not where you need to be. He wants you to think that you're worthless. He wants you to think that you got to have more to be better. Come on, that's why people are in greed. That's why people are always trying to get more. Trying to get more everything, trying to get more butt, trying to get more muscles, trying to get more boobs, trying to get more everything, trying to get bigger lips. Come on. Because you feel like you ain't got enough. Come on. If the husband ain't looking at you right, you got to go get some more. Then if he ain't looking at you right, you got to get some more. Come on, you got to lose weight. If you done lost too much weight, you got to gain weight. But the man's still looking like a blimp. But the man is saying the woman is the problem. You need to lose weight. You lose weight, well, you need more butt. Shouldn't have lost your butt. You got to have some more butt. So she's going to go get an injection for the butt. Then he, it's too much butt. The one with the problem is the man, not you. Now your lips ain't big enough. You don't kiss them anyway. What's the difference? But all along his stomach is overlapping his knees. And the woman ain't saying nothing, but I love you, baby. Come on, this is true gospel. This is what the world is about. When a person gets dissatisfied with what they have, they're going to always have a problem with it. And the more you do, it don't do no good. Because the problem ain't with you, it's with them. Until you get satisfied with who God created you to be. That's how I know people don't know God. Because when you know God, everything to him is beautiful because he made you and created you the way he wanted you to be. You are fearfully, you are wonderfully made. And if a man or woman want to dictate to you what you need to do and how you need to do it, boot them. I wish I knew this a long time ago. I ain't lying, y'all. Because if you cannot be satisfied with you, Nobody else is going to be satisfied with you until you get satisfied with yourself. You cannot look at what everybody else is doing and think you're supposed to be doing it. God created you the way you need to be. 
This is why we have young kids out here and trafficking and drugs and all of this other stuff because they're trying to be something. They're trying to act like somebody that they're not. Come on, we done been there. We're trying to hang with the wrong crowd because that crowd look good. So if we get in that crowd, people see me, hear me, be attached to me. That's rejection. How do I know we don't know God? Because God said you already been accepted in the beloved. You have already been adopted by me. So why are you trying to get in a group when you already have the glory? You have more than they have and you're trying to get what the world got. You got the glory. So we know God. So we know God, right? That's what we say. Knowing God, wait a minute. Let me go somewhere. I'm going to find it first, and then I'm going to get y'all there because I used to say, Proverbs 13, 3. He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. But he that open wise his lips shall have destruction. When I know God, I keep my mouth and I keep my life and I don't open wide my lips for destruction. See, the more you love God, the more you keep your mouth shut when you're supposed to. The more you know God, the more you study to be quiet. The more you know God, you don't have to prove yourself to nobody. Pride always tried to prove. Pride don't want to humble itself even when it's wrong. But when you know God, you get humble. That's what Jesus did. He was so humble, he went to the cross and did not even sin. Now that's a humbling state, is it? He was so humble, he didn't even open his mouth even when there was lying on him. Come on, when people lie on you and you know you ain't done nothing, you don't have to say nothing. When you're trying to prove yourself, they didn't you look like a liar. See, when you know God, you know when to keep your mouth shut. You don't have to give an answer for everything. Sometimes we give an answer for everything because we want to prove that we're right. How is it going to help either one of us? So I'm learning, y'all. I'm learning to keep my mouth shut when it comes to my husband sometimes. Because sometimes in a marriage, we want to prove our point. We want to prove that we're right. What is that proving? Craziness. Have your house tore up from the floor. It don't matter if he was right or I was right. It don't matter. The whole point is why we keep it going. Because there's some pride in the midst of us. We don't want to humble ourselves and say, okay, you're right. No, we want to be right all the time. Everybody got a little bit of pride. Because we don't know how to shut up. So when we know God, we know how to keep our mouth shut. When we know God, we don't have to prove anything. It is finished. I don't know about y'all, but this teaching is helping me. Listen at this here. We talked about a relationship, and we talked about being born into the family of God. That's your relationship. But we got to have fellowship. You cannot have relationship without fellowship, because if you don't have fellowship, you're going to break that relationship. Understand what I'm saying? If you do not have fellowship with God, you will break your relationship. That's why some people are, what do you call it, backsliding? Because they get saved just to miss hell, but they have no fellowship. They have no communion. They have no sharing with God. God want to share with you. 
Y'all, it, it hurts my heart, and I know it's grieving God's heart. It hurts my heart because I see people more in love with this world and what the world has than being in love with God. And you got his love on the inside of you. You know how I see this? Because people are trying to make cars, houses, children, dogs, cats look exalted. We want everything the way we want it. Not because God wanted to be that way, because we want it to be that way and we think that's life. When all that stuff passes away, what do you have? It's good to have things looking good in your life because we are representing a kingdom. But it's not good to have those things before God. It's not good to look to those things because when you look to those things and those things are gone, you think your life is gone. Your life does not consist of the things that you have. He made a point. Remember when the two, the, the guy was arguing with Jesus and he said, make my brother share that inheritance with me. And Jesus began to tell him, he's not, well, let's go there. Did anybody remember what Jesus said? He said unto him, man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto them, Luke, this is in the 12th chapter, verse 15. And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possessed. Then he talked about a certain man who had land, and that land, you know, it had plentiful. That ground brought forth plentiful. This man, instead of helping somebody else, I'll tear down this barn and bigger, bigger barn and put all this in this barn. And he was saying, thou fool. If you died tonight, where would all these things go? Come on, y'all. The, the word speaks for itself. We're trying to gather up here on earth. I never seen a U-Haul behind a hearse. But I seen people waiting to put stuff in the U-Haul after you die. Children. Fussing over the wheels. Fussing over who's going to get the recliner, who's going to get the bed. Who's going to get the house? How much life insurance you got? I want to make sure it's enough left over to take care of me too. That's not knowing God. You got to have these things here on earth because when you die, you don't want to just get thrown in a hole and get covered up. But you don't want these things to take control over you. This is why we have animosity, resentment, Strife, all of these things, because even Christian folks don't have their stuff together before they leave this world. But we're supposed to know God. Knowing God, you don't do things like that. You're going to line things up the way he will have it to be lined up. No matter who like it or who don't like it. You're doing things his way and not your way. Come on, I'm talking about knowing God, not knowing about God. People can tell me about God, but until I experience him for myself, until I have that personal relationship, accepting him and fellowshipping with him, you can talk about him all day long, but he ain't going to do nothing for me. But tell somebody what you said. I can't live off of your experience. I got to have one of my own. I got to know this God that you've been telling me about. So I got to take time aside and go into the word of God and say, God, I want to hear you. 
I don't want to just hear about you. I want to hear from you. God, speak to my heart. What do you have to say to me today, God? Tell me, God, I want to hear your voice. So I'll be able to follow your voice. I want to know your voice. I don't want to follow a stranger's voice. We got too many people following prophecy. We got too many people that's listening to a prophet and listening to what they say. So you begin to follow that prophet because you want more of what that prophet is saying. When you can go into the word of God yourself and say, God... I'm uplifted. I'm encouraged through the word that this prophet sent. But God, in order for me to hold on to the word, I got to stay before you and have that intimacy with you. You better get your mind off these prophets. And get your mind in the word of God. So when a prophet come into town, your baby will leap if it's the truth. And the Holy Spirit will forewarn you and say, "Uh ah, don't you take that. That's not me. You got to know the difference and you will not know the difference if you're not in fellowship. Some of us just want people to keep speaking into our lives. Y'all, I'm going to be honest with you. If I had a prophet, prophet conference and say, God is just come on in. God going to tell you about your husband. He want to tell you about your house. He want to, this place be so full, it'd be running over. They wouldn't be thinking about no COVID. He want to tell you who you're going to marry. He want to tell you whether you're going to marry, whether you're going to live, whether you're going to die. People be giving everything they got for a lie. But when it comes to truth, people don't want to give you a quarter. Because you don't hurt their feelings. You think you better. Knowing the truth, he'll go to knowing again. Becoming intimate with the truth, communing with the truth, that's what makes you free. If you really want to be free, which you are free, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. But the more you know of your freedom, the freer you get. Your spirit is already free. But your soul is what's in bondage. Because your soul have not come to realize your freedom. Your soul have not come to realize you no longer a slave to sin. And until you come to realize that, you're going to be doing things as a slave instead of doing things as being free. Some of the slaves were freed. Well, they were free, all of them. But some of them was working like slaves and didn't know because they couldn't read. <laughs> so they were still allowing them to work as slaves. Where am I going? Until you read the good book. Until you read what's written. You living like a slave. You doing things like a slave. Like you don't have nothing. When your father said I have already blessed you. With all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Because you're in Christ Jesus you're blessed. Everything your hands touch is you better remember when you go in the mall and you spot something and you're not spotting it just to have it, but you're spotting it because you know that's what your father wants you to be presentable in. Lay hands on it. Say, God, you already blessed me with that. And go on about your business. Come on, that dress be knocking at your door. I saw this. And it looked just like you. Whole glory. You know what else to say it on Fred Sam? Ain't that what she said? Oh, glory. But she called him a fish out of food. 
Only thing you got to do is be intimate with him. Things will come to your house. Y'all, I'm a living witness. I would be in my word in the house. Some people ask me sometimes, do you drive? I be in the house all the time. If I got to run the food line or run what I have to run, I run out and run back in. That's just my life. I'm not interested in all this stuff. If we go out to eat, we go out to eat. If we don't, we don't. Y'all see my husband more than y'all see me. But he's married. And he better be acting like it too. When they see him, even though I ain't in the vehicle, they're supposed to see me. They're supposed to see my face because that's who he's with. That's who you with, right? You better act like it. When they see him, they say, where's your wife, Amanda? Oh, she home. Any old who remind me, Holy Spirit, where I was. Anyway, I stay in the house. I stay in the word. I stay before God. I get intimate, intimate with God because I know that's what I need. Not trying to get something, but knowing I got to build myself up. I got to encourage myself in the Lord because I don't know what's going to happen this day, next day. I want to be prepared for what's yet to come. I want to make my heart ready. So while I'm in the house, guess what? The Lord will let me know. Oh, well, you know what, Lord? I do need some capris, but I don't even want to go out the house to go get them. That's just how much I love being with him. I don't want to put on no, I just want to just stay in the house and stay in the word. I'm just as happy. My husband, no, just put the Bible before me, give me my green tea and go about your business. I know when to come out. (laughs) So one day I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I'm thinking about capris out of nowhere. I would like some capris. Wasn't even thinking about it. Y'all, it had to be three or four hours later. I get a knock at the door. Someone said, I saw this and I thought you would like to have it. Not only the capris, five pair for five pair, five days a week, five shirts and the sandals to match. Because God know my heart. He know I was putting him before. The Bible says, when you seek ye first, Come on, we got our first mixed up. We got God last. When you seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, his way of doing things, all of these will be. That's a promise. So I'm not seeking him first to look for no capris, no cars, no houses, none of that. I'm seeking him because I know as I get intimate with him, I'm going to know how to live my life according to him and not according to me. I got to renew my mind. I got to get my mind right. Why? Because my mind was in Egypt before I knew God. I thought about Egypt. I thought about the world and what they did and what they had. And my mind was trying to get still what they had. But like the prodigal son, when I came to myself, I remember what I was taught about what I already had. So I had to say, you know what? I can't stay in Egypt. I got to come out of Egypt. And I got to get before my father to know what belonged to me. I got to know who I am. I got to know who I belong to. And I got to know what I have. And if I don't know these things, I'm going to look for something that I already got. That's why the prodigal son went home. See, the prodigal son broke his relationship with God. But once he came to himself, he come back to who? His father. So the father gave him what already belonged to him. He didn't take it back from him. 
He restored him. Restored mean to what? Bring back to the original state. He restored him. He gave him what belonged to him, did he not? So guess what? They were in fellowship because of that relationship, right? But then the other son, he stayed there and worked. Already had his inheritance and said, you didn't do this for me. He said, son, all that I have was already yours. He wasn't in fellowship. He had the relationship. And he was trying to work to get what he already had. But he wasn't in fellowship. He didn't know what he had. So when you don't know what you have, then you live in just like you don't have nothing. But when you go into the word of God and you get to know him for who he is, when you get to know him as your healer, you know and you already heal. When you get to know him as your peace, you already know you got some shalom when you need it. Peace. When you get to know him as your banner, come on somebody, you already know he is your banner. Rain down on me, God. You know these things. Why? Because you're spending time with him and he's telling you what belonged to you through the word of God. The less time you spend in the word, the more time you're going to spend trying to get something. That's when frustration comes. Listen at this, y'all. Go with me. We're talking about fellowship now. 1 John, the first chapter, verse 3. Listen at this. These are um, the disciples, um, the apostle. That which we have seen, listen at this, and heard, we proclaim also to you. They could not proclaim nothing to them they have not seen nor heard so that you too may have fellowship with us and indeed our fellowship is with the father and with his son Jesus Christ y'all get that they were saying we seen it we heard it now we're sharing remember I told you fellowship is sharing it's a communion it's a participation so they're sharing with them what they seen and what they heard you cannot know God without sharing you can't. When I know, when I have come to know my husband and know how he is, I begin to share. How, I'll say this. This man over here, Mitchell, all you were here, my wife, my wife, my wife, my wife. When I got to know Mitch, all he said was my wife, my wife, my wife. I said, got to be something special about this woman because he never left her out. Everywhere he went, it was my wife, my wife, my wife, my wife, my wife, my wife, my wife. So, Evidently, there was a sharing. There was a fellowship. There was something going on for him to mention this woman all the time. Right? When you get to know someone and they treating you really well, you're going to talk about them. We're talking more about what the world is doing than we're talking about God. That means you got more fellowship with the world than you have with your father. Because the more you get to know him, you can't hold it. You cannot hold it. You want to talk about him all the time. So these apostles, they seen and they heard, so they begin to share with the others what they seen and heard. And they're, they're saying that you may have fellowship with us. Now that we're in the same family, we're born into that family. But now we need to share. We need to participate. 
Sometimes when siblings get off in a distance, you don't share like you used to. Some people do. You don't share. You don't talk like you used to. You don't fellowship like you used to. So you go days, you go months. And if you don't talk to them, it's okay. You know, the love is still there, but it's not the same. Because you, you're not sharing that same interest. Sometimes you can't share the same thing because some of them don't want to hear what you got to say. So you do know when to cut it off. But then look at verse 3, verse 5. 1 John, first chapter, verse 5. Now listen at this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you. You hear that? They're giving them this message. They're sharing the same message that they heard from the Father, from Jesus. They said, now we're giving it to you. Y'all catch this. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. Y'all hear this? And in him is no darkness at all. Now they got to be sharing this for a reason. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus' son cleanses us from our sins. Do y'all know what that means? That means that if I'm in him and I say I know him, I'm born of him, I'm in fellowship with him because I'm knowing him, I'm having that intimacy with him, I shouldn't be walking in darkness. And if I'm walking in darkness, then guess what? We can't have that fellowship, that sharing and that communion because there's darkness there. There is no light. Can we pause? Let me say that again. If me and apostle working together, going out to eat together, and I'm saying I'm knowing the father and apostle is seeing me walking in darkness all the time, how can I know him? Because in him is light. And if I tell her I'm in my word all the time, and I'm doing what the word says, but apostle is seeing me in darkness, she know I ain't had no fellowship with the father. So guess what apostle got to do? She got to separate herself from darkness. Because I'm telling her I'm about my father's business, but I ain't living about my father's business. So why would she want a fellowship with darkness? Holy Spirit, remind me of something. Thank you, Holy Ghost. We're just following the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's what he wants us to do, right? Okay. I'm finding it. Mm-hmm. It's in here. I might have to read the whole chapter, but I'm, I'm going to... Uh, do it oh here it is listen at this first corinthians 6 know you not that your bodies are the members of christ first corinthians six fifteen. shall i then take the members of christ and make them the members of a harlot god forbid what know you not that he which is joined to a harlot is one body for two saith he shall be one flesh but he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit, right? We're joined unto him, we're one spirit. Flee fornication. 
Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committed fornication sinneth against his own body. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not of your own? For you are bought with the price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. When we know God, we flee fornication because we are his temple. This is what, come on, y'all. Come on. This is so simple. The more you know God, the less you will be doing what you shouldn't be doing. The more you get to know God, you don't want to walk in darkness. You don't want to be around darkness. The more you know God, the less you would be in sin. The less you know God, even though you save, you fall for any and everything. And you think it's right because this person been saved for 20 years and they're preaching and they're teaching and they still going out and party. So evidently if they can do it and they still live and I can do it too. The devil is a liar. They don't know God. They know about him. But when you have come to know him, all of that mess stops. You don't party hardy like everybody party. You don't do what your friends do. You leave the same. Meaning that since you starting another thing, I'll see y'all later. I don't participate. They'll know you don't participate even if you don't say nothing. You don't share with what they're sharing in and say, I'm saved. They already know that something's wrong with your salvation. The purpose of salvation is not just missing hell, it's eternal life. It's knowing God. God want us to know him and make him known to the world so the world will know the God I serve don't live like that, don't act like that, and is not like that. And even if family forsake you, mother and father forsake you because of what you believe, Joseph was forsaken. But God picked him up. God exalted him. His brothers and sisters hated him because of what he stood for. But at the end of the day, it was because of Joseph, which they was uh, foreshadowing Jesus, save Israel. It was because of him. So when you know about God, you don't go for any and everything, y'all, just because your friend's doing it. Just because I don't want to feel left out, I'm going to go ahead and do it this time. It's going to be a next time. Sometimes we look into people's homes and we think those homes are okay. We think the husband is loving the wife the way they need to because they're driving nice cars, wearing nice clothes. They're always smiling. No, it ain't like that. That wife is trying to find a way out. The husband is trying to find a way out. But in public, on the outside, it looked good. But on the inside, it's toe up from the floor up. You can't go on what you see. Everybody has some turmoil in their house. If you say you don't, you're a liar. Everybody has some darkness in their house somewhere. Ain't no house picture perfect. Mine sure ain't. But when darkness try to rise up, I shut it down. How do I shut it down? Oh, that ain't God. Honey, I shouldn't have said it that way. Please forgive me. And I mean it from the heart. But now if I come back and say the same thing again, honey, please forgive me. That means I'm not in fellowship with God because the more fellowship I have with God, my lips wouldn't be so loose. Loose lips. Excuse me. Say that again. Okay, sink ship. That is the truth. 
That's the truth. So the more fellowship we have with him, we would not keep darkness in the midst of us. We wouldn't tolerate it. Do you know when we don't know how to shut our mouth, you letting out a darkness? It's surrounding you. Darkness represent what? Death. And you letting things in your house that ain't right. This is why, thank you, Holy Ghost, even in this building, if I let somebody come up in here doing this stinky leg or the butt or whatever you call it, whatever you call them dances, and I'm sitting here, yeah, look at Jesus, look at Jesus. I don't know him because I think it's okay. That's not how God is. This is a place that we come in to fellowship, to commune together. It's a sharing. It's a participation. And when somebody is out of order, we shut it down. Because we know that's not God's order. When you sit there and you allow that, that means you're subject to that. When people see you get up and walk out of a service, because you know they ain't going to listen to you if you tell them out of order. People get mad and say, oh, they think they better. No, you convicted already because I got up and walked out. You knew what you was doing already, but when I got up and walked out, you tried to put it on me. Sometimes you just got to get up and walk out. Because you letting them know, that ain't my God. That's not the way God is. And I represent him because he's in me. I'm a representative of the kingdom. So, let's go back to the top. I think I broke down relationship and fellowship, right? So we're going to go back up to the top. We're talking about eternal life. And I want to use somebody in the word of God to talk about it, which is Psalms 103, verse 7. This is Moses. Listen at this. He made known his ways. 103, verse 7. He made known his ways of righteousness and justice to Moses, his acts to the children of Israel. Meaning that Moses had an intimate a close, he had fellowship with God. The children of Israel were seeing his acts. They were seeing the miracles. That's what they looked for. But they didn't have that fellowship like Moses had. Now in Exodus 33, verse 13, listen at this, amplified version. Exodus 33, 13, listen. Now therefore I pray you, if I have found favor, this is Moses, in your sight, show me now your way. That I may know you progressively, become more deeply and intimately acquainted with you, perceiving and recognizing and understanding more strongly and clearly, and that I, that I may find favor in your sight. And Lord, do consider that this nation is your people. All Moses wanted, I want to know you. I want to become more acquainted with you. He said, I want to know your way, God. Moses wanted that fellowship. The children of Israel was looking at the miracles. As long as God kept performing those miracles, they loved God. But when they got in trouble, they talked about God. Moses was so in fellowship with God. When things went wrong, Moses went directly to God. He began to commune with him. It was a sharing, a participation between him and God. And whatever God told Moses, Moses went and told the people. That's what it's supposed to be. We don't supposed to keep looking for signs and miracles or for unbelievers, actually. A believer shouldn't get astonished at a miracle. 
Because when you come in in fellowship with God and God is known to you, you know that's what he's about. That's what you should be expecting to God for God to release himself through you. But the more you know about God, the more you know God, you're saying, God, that's just who you are. People looking at you funny and saying, you didn't see that? Yeah, I saw it. That's just who he is. It shouldn't be something to knock us off our feet. Because we don't spend so much time with God, we know what God does. That's how it was with Moses. He had that fellowship with God. So we understand relationship and fellowship and how it's supposed to be, right? Let me go back to fellowship, just like all of us come in here to fellowship. Because, you know, we're born again and we, we are family. We're brothers and sisters, right? But if someone gets to missing, they miss one Sunday. Okay, that's all well and good. But then they miss a whole month. When they come back, they don't feel apart no more. They feel like they lost that fellowship. Because they weren't there and they're looking like, why people looking at me? Nobody looking at you. You're looking at yourself. You the one got lost in action. So anytime you hit and miss, you feel like you don't need to be no more. Some people got so comfortable with, you know, not coming into the church during COVID. They ain't coming into the church. They're catching everything they can catch on YouTube, Facebook. And then when you ain't had that fellowship with God, you accept any and everything. You believe everything somebody is saying, which is not true. So this is why we're supposed to come together, forsake not what? The assembly. And some people say, well, you don't need to come into a building to be saved. But the word says, forsake not what? The assembly coming together. Some of us get to the point, I'm just so tired, I can't make it. You ain't too tired to get up and go to work five, seven, six days a week. Well, I just can't make that conference. I work all the time. You ain't too tired to make extra money dragging and nose sniffling and eyes running and everything else. But you got to pay your light bill, so you ain't too tired to do that. That's how I know ain't no fellowship. Because when you truly have fellowship with God, whatever God is giving that's true, you want to make sure you're there to get it. Well, I'll catch it online. What if we didn't have online? I need to cut it off and see what happens. What if we didn't have a, I catch it online, I'm just too tired. I'm here. Y'all act like I don't do nothing. Hmm? There's a lot of people here that work 12 hours or longer, but they're here. I just had too much to do. You, you're right, you is catching it online. You're taking a glimpse at it and saying you signed on, but you're doing your work. As, that ain't being in fellowship. You just got it going while you continually to do, oops, I, oop, the Holy Ghost told on me. I'm going to turn this on and I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. Then you ask them what they learn. What you talking about, Pastor? What did you get out of Tuesday night? Which part, Pastor, the part you missed? Y'all know I, I, I just come with it. As I hear, I speak. Come on, let's just quit it. Let's cut it out. Oh, you don't like me. I don't care. 
Anywho, I'm going back to the top now, y'all. I just love the word. I'm going back to the top, and prayerfully I'm going to close with this part of the scripture. For God so loved, that's where I'm going. It's a love thing. Because God is. That's who he is. He's love. And you know what he did? He shared that love. That love he gave us, it shared abroad in our heart through the Holy Ghost. So none of us born again people should have a problem loving. But the reason why we have a problem loving, because we don't know God. Because when you know God and God is love, you should love your brother and sister outside of their foolishness. Hello? You should love your husband, your wife outside of their foolishness. Because you know God and God is love. Love covers a multitude of sin. Go with me to 1 John 4, verse 7 through 12. Amplified version. 1 John 4, 7 through 12. Be loved. Ain't that so nice? Be loved. Let us love one another. For love is springs from God. Wow. For real. Hmm. And he who loves his fellow man is begotten, born of God. Uh Uh-oh. We in trouble. Let me read that again. And he who loves his fellow man is begotten, born of God. So does that say... That because I'm born of God, I should love my fellow man. Is that what that's saying? That's exactly what it's saying, right? So if I'm born of God, I should not have hate for Manny or anybody. Should I? Manny should not have hate for me if he's born of God. We may have differences, but we should still love. Because love works. Ooh, fire. Love work out differences. Love don't leave it like it is. Uh Uh-oh. And he who loves his fellow man is begotten, born of God, and is coming progressively, listen y'all, to know and understand God, to perceive and recognize and get a better and clearer knowledge of him. Oh my goodness. If I hate you, I don't know God. If I hate you, I don't know God. If I can't stand you, I don't know God. Don't even put, I don't like you, I love you. No. That's foolishness. Let me read this again. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is, springs from God, and he who loves his fellow man is begotten, born of God, and is coming progressively to know and understand God, to perceive and to recognize and to get a better and clearer knowledge of him, because God is love, so I can't hate you if I'm in fellowship with God, because that's who God is, and that's who I'm supposed to be, because I know God. That's a lot, ain't it? He who does not love has not become acquainted with God, does not and never did know him, for God is 
In this, the love of God was manifested, displayed, where we are concerned in that God sent his son, the only begotten, unique son, into the world so that we might live through who? Him. In this love, in this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the perpetuation, the atoning sacrifice for our sin. Beloved, if God loved us so very much, we also ought to love one another. No man has any at any time yet seen God. Amen. But if we love one another, God abides, lives, and remains in us. And his love, that love which is essentially his, is brought to completion to his full maturity, runs his full course, is perfected in us. Y'all know what that means, right? We haven't seen God. But when we love our brother, we're manifesting God. Because they're seeing God through us. Something is wrong, church. We got too many people in the church that's hating one another. But saying, I'm saved. I'm born again. You ain't in fellowship with God because why are you holding something against me or somebody else and telling me you know God? When you know God, you go to your brother, you go to your sister, you solve that disagreement. You don't hold on to it like it's a treasure. You don't hold unforgiveness in your marriage. Even if you let the woman go or the man go, you still got to forgive because that's how love works. You forgive because I forgave you. If you cannot forgive them, don't come to my altar and say, well, God, I messed up. Forgive that that I said today. Go sit down until you get it right with the one that you're hating on or the one you think hates you. Don't come tell me, Pastor, anything you want, Pastor, I'll, I'll help you out with it. Pastor, I mow your yard not. I mow your yard not. Nobody don't want to touch that yard, for real. I'll do this for you, Pastor. But you won't eat cook and clean for your husband. Go home. E.T., go home. That's exactly what I'm going to tell you. Go home. Have you cleaned your house? No, Pastor. Have you cooked? No, Pastor. Well, what are you doing over him? Well, Pastor, I just want no. You, you better go back and line up. Why are you over here trying to clean my house and your house tore up? Why are you over here bringing me a dish? Did you fix your husband? No, I ain't fixed it. Y'all, this is funny. My daughter, she worked the 12-hour shifts, right? So me and my husband normally go out to eat. And I'll cook for her sometime and I'll take it up there so she'll have it for two or three days. So one day I had cooked my husband, um, my husband, my daughter, the meatballs, I had cooked her her vegetables, I had cooked all this stuff. And so me and my husband took it up there. So when we got back that night, um, Ariel was bragging on the food and how good it was. My husband said, well, let me go in here and taste these meatballs. I said, what meatballs? <laughs> Ariel started picking. She said, Daddy, Mama didn't give you nothing to meatball. <laughs> I said, honey, we normally go out to eat. I didn't think you wanted the meatballs because I cook for this man all the time. I make sure he have his food all. Is that true, honey? I felt so bad that night. I said, dang, honey, I forgot to give you some of them meatballs. Every time Ariel would call, mama, these meatballs. 
My husband would say, I'm glad you enjoyed him. I said, don't start. Don't start. I don't apologize. I ain't apologizing no more. You hold him up there with me. You took him out the car too. Why didn't you grab you two or three? <laughs> so we want to do things. Y'all, I'm telling you, if all of us spend the time we need to spend with him first, have that intimacy, that fellowship with him, we won't be caught up in error. We won't be waiting on somebody to prophesy to us. We'll just be before him and say, Father, I know you hear me. I know you always hear me. But because of these people that are in front of me, you manifest yourself. Not that I need it, but I know you, God. I already experienced you. In ways. But they need to know you. So this is why I'm saying y'all. We have to know God. Quit trying to get stuff. From God. That you already got. Spend time with God. And know what you have. And walk in it. That's all we have to do. Is walk in what we already have. When you depend on money so much. When you don't have it. Sometimes people get angry. They get sad. They get depressed. Because that's what your dependency was on. But when you depend on God and your bank account get low, you still can rejoice. Because you know who your source is. You know who takes care of you. And you know you're living and lining up with his word. So God lets you know, I am supplying all of your needs. According to my riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Even though your bank account say $5, you are richly blessed. Just keep speaking those things that be not as though they were. Don't make money your idol. Don't make money your God. Quit looking at everybody else eating out. Quit looking at everybody else driving or getting a new this or new that. And give God glory that you have Zoe in you. That you have eternal life in you. And it lasts forever. Even when you die, you're still living. But I want the Zoe now. You got it now here on this earth. But when you get to know God, what you have, you can live according to what you got because you're in fellowship with him on a day-to-day basis. God know what you're in the need of even before you ask him. God know if you need a husband, you need a wife, if you need children, if you need dogs, if you need cats. God know what you need, but when you out there trying to get you a surplus because you're lonely and then you put all this in front of you, then God is out the equation because you're taking care of too much and not spending more time with him, somebody. The enemy wants you to put more and more on you. He want to keep you running and running. Why? Because you can't hear God that way. You're too anxious. But when you let go of your load, even a camel kneel down and humble himself and let the load roll over. But some of y'all want to keep the load on you. How well do you know God? Spend time this week and say, God, how well do I know you? Can you take the time to hear him and knowing that's him speaking? Or you have to say, God, send some confirmation that that's you. When you really know God, you don't need none. You just take him at his word and you go on. 
That's when you know God and say, God, I don't need for you to tell nobody to tell me nothing. Because you already said what you said and you meant what you said. Because you're God and not man that you should lie. Neither the son of man that you shall repent. Have you not said it? Shall you not do it? Have you not spoken it? Shall you not make it good? God, it's not about me. It's all about what you have already said. Let's get to know God the more. And we will keep the doors of our lips. Is that it? Y'all know that scripture? What does it say? Come on, come on, Kathy. We will know this. And the Holy Spirit will bring it back to us, won't he? So y'all, let's get to know God. Come on, give God a hand clap of praise. Can we have our announcements at this time? And I want to say this. Wasn't that an inspiring message? Thanks for listening to the end. Join us every Tuesday for Bible study and every Sunday for service. We're looking forward to hearing from you as well. Feel free to reach out to us via the website at www.mtdm.org. God bless you and we'll see you next time.